1: Welcome to the Saturday Podcast. My name is Brad Watson, and today I have my friend Ben Connolly joining me today to uh, start a new series uh, within the podcast, or maybe our first series ever. Wow. Uh, so Ben, yeah, you should feel really lucky. But this series, uh, wait for it, everyone. I know you've already read it on your iPhone, but the series is about what's essential for a missional community. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's something that I think comes up a bunch is, well, can I do this and be a missional community? Or, well, I'm doing that. Does that mean we're not one anymore? And so we just kind of want to set the table of this is like what's truly essential. If you have these things, if you're, if you're pressing forward towards these things, you are a missional community. Uh, and that's all you need to know. So, this is kind of even the positive version. Uh, if you've ever been to one of our trainings, you might have seen a slide that says, Emissional Community is not blah, 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 blah. This is kind of the positive version where we say, Emissional <laughs> Community is blah, 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 blah. Uh, and so, for the blah, 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 we have been Connolly joining <laughs> us. <laughs> and that's what
0: most people hear whenever I open my mouth. So, yeah. thanks for letting me kick it off with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly, I think the the makers of Peanuts, uh, the cartoon, always envisioned pastors and church planters when they wrote the parent voices. Uh, that's us. So, anyway, Ben, so glad you're here. Uh, thanks for joining me for these episodes, the series, and I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, me as well, and and thank you for having me. Um, I think one of the one of the reasons I'm excited about this is uh, that. That people often look at soma and see uh practices, and mm-hmm. that because this one practice uh is implemented as an example that that's that's kind of a uh sometimes a set in stone thing and whether it's church planters or or missional community leaders, that kind of stuff, I love that what this is getting to is kind of the theory and theology and principles. Um, and then asks every listener to kind of go, how can this principle be put in place in my unique context in my community? Because there's a dozens of different ways that each principle can can actually take shape. So so I love this.
1: Totally. Yeah. And I think that's that's such a great point of, of kind of what we're after is we anticipate seeing more and more creative expressions of missional communities all over the world. Uh, so we don't envision people, you know, in Uganda trying to do backyard barbecues and neighborhood gardens or something like that, because that worked in the Pacific Northwest in America. Yeah. Uh, we kind of envision people taking the gospel, taking the principles of us being a sent people, a sent family, and beginning to apply the gospel to every aspect of our life and culture and doing that together in these communities. And that's, I mean, the possibilities are endless there. Indeed. So, what's essential? Uh, when people ask me that, the, the first thing that I always think of, what's essential to being a missional community is being centered on God and the gospel. That missional communities are about the gospel. That's the the lifeblood of a missional community and that's the central driving force. That, that they're not really even about mission as much as they are about God. And so, Ben... What would you say that that even means, though? Because that, that sounds really beautiful. People think that that's lovely. But but why would you say that a missional community being centered on the gospel is essential?
0: Yeah, I think the the obvious biblical starting point would be just that Paul tells us in his first letter to Corinthians that that the gospel is of first importance, um, and mm-hmm. it kind of wraps up you know, 15 and a half chapters of here's advice. Here's an area that that, uh, I want to celebrate in your life. Here's an area that I need to push on as a, you know, sort of father figure in your life. And then he comes down to uh, the beginning of chapter 15, the gospel is the thing that is of first importance, the the Mm -hmm. historical fact that Jesus did die, that he did rise from the dead, that he did um, send his spirit to empower us, that he does uh, enable us to have a restored relationship with God um, through his broken body and shed blood. And so I think that's a a, a theme that we see throughout uh, the New Testament. And so we just can't get away from the fact that it is the, the constant drum that speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think as it relates to ministry, I, I I think the reality is that that because of that truth, that that true historical truth, our our entire worldview changes and every motive that we have as followers of Jesus change. And and we tell our church a lot, like the, the gospel is a historical event. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times in our in our culture in, in the culture that I'm in at least, we think of it as as a historical event. So it's a past reality. And then Christians think of how greatly it's going to benefit my future. Mm. But it, the gospel really isn't considered to impact at times our, our present reality, our day-to-day life, and that kind of stuff. And, and, and so the, the reality of the gospel is something we can't move away from. because mm-hmm. it, it, it is all three of those things. It is praise God, right. a past event. It is a, a, a thing that will greatly benefit our future, if I can say that understatedly. And also it greatly <laughs> every day of our lives.
1: Yeah, that's such a big thing that it is a is historical reality. And that's what Paul says. Uh, but he also is is trying to make disciples within a community and as he writes that letter. And so there's even this really great example there of what he keeps going back to people saying, now remember who God is and what he's done in Christ Jesus and what the Holy Spirit in your life means. So he basically keeps going back to, Remember the life, death, ascension and sending of the spirit like this mm-hmm. gospel, uh, this change of belief that we've had is how we make disciples. That's how we grow disciples into maturity. Like that's that's kind of the secret sauce yeah. of, of everything. And, and I think that that matters a ton just even. To, even as I think about my own life, I had, you know, seasons where I worked for churches and made disciples where that wasn't of first importance, you know, Mm -hmm. like what was of first importance was good behavior or even getting people to do evangelism was of first importance or, Mm -hmm. you know, being holy, which kind of produced a culture where people pretended to be holy or pretended to be good. And then sort of community falls apart because everyone's not their true selves. Whereas the gospel kind of invites us, if the gospel's at the center, the invitation is come confessing that you need a savior. That lays the ground that we needed God to come live, die, ascend, and send his spirit just so that we could be alive and okay. That shifts it a bunch too, at least for me.
0: You know, to put it in the context of preaching, just for one common example, I know that's not what we're talking about, but you know, if the gospel, if, if, if mentioned at all in a sermon is just kind of tagged on at the end. Then we've even mm-hmm. as an older team for for our local church question like is that truly gospel centered preaching or is it just a oh yeah we got to talk about Jesus at the end of this mm-hmm. and to your point you looked at you look at Paul's letters and it's you know somewhere between three and twelve chapters expanding on on, on the the truth of who God is and who we right. are because of who God is and what God has done and who we are what we do because of what God has done and only mm-hmm. after that. Do we see, you know, our call, our charge, the the implications of it, his life, right. death, resurrection, ascension, everything is the foundation, right? And and I think that you know, to the question of why is the gospel center to the or the essential to the to the community, then if that is true, if if our worldview changes, if our motives mm-hmm. change, if it is past, present, and future, then the reality is is that everything that we do is both motivated by and also empowered by the gospel. The gospel through the Spirit, mm-hmm. you know. So, so the motivation is: I was dead in my trespasses and sins, but God made me alive. Okay, so there's the motive. Mm-hmm. But then that reality empowers mm-hmm. me to to worship God in a new and real way. If that doesn't right. drive me to worship, then worship's just kind of empty and time filler. And <laughs> you know, yeah, I'll I'll sing about this. But if we realize, no, I was dead, <laughs> and, and all of a sudden we have both a motivation mm-hmm. and an empowerment. You know, t- Take your, your your example of mission, for example. If I'm just supposed to go out and do mission, that puts it all on me. Mm-hmm. That tells me I, I have to go save people, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Right. And, and the scriptures teach otherwise, that, that we don't have the power to save. And so our motivation in mission is that God first did this amazing, truly miraculous work in me. Mm-hmm. But the gospel doesn't just motivate me to mission. It empowers me for mission because it lets me be okay being unable Mm -hmm. and instead rely on the power of the spirit to do the gospel work of God that I will never be able to do. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, both motivation and also empowerment, I think, is a a starting point for why the gospel is essential.
1: Right. And then that if the gospel is center, then then the gospel becomes at least very much a part of every answer to every question and very much a A part of every solution to every problem, too, Uh, and I think that's that's often sometimes I think what we forget a lot. You know, it's like, well, this church could like tell people the gospel all the time. You could use, you know, only the most robust gospel centered crossway <laughs> uh, Bible studies or whatnot, but then still not truly be like a community that embodies the gospel where you know, like there's this potency or, or there's this like aroma of the gospel. Uh, if no. it's not part of the solution or answer to every question and and kind of like even what I mean by that is, uh, is things like with children uh, is just one example. If we look at our kids and they're being crazy and they're messed up and they're, you know, driving all over us. And then as a community, we say, OK, well, the solution is we're going to like tell those parents that they need to get their kids in order. And then we're going to hire a babysitter and put the kids really far away from us so that we don't have to you know mess with them at all. And then if the gospel is not part of that <laughs> solution, then it's hard to really be a community that that is a missional community that's focused on the gospel, I think yeah. to to look at that same problem with the lens of the gospel might say, "Wow, like these children demonstrate to us how we all are before God, and they might actually be coming to God better than we are." Uh, I was I was even reading yeah. uh, Mark twelve today earlier where it's like. Jesus tells the children, come to me, come to me. And then a rich young ruler comes and says, I want to follow you and can't. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus turns to the disciples and like, and says, it's really hard if you're rich. Uh, and then he calls his disciples children. And I just think it's, I don't know, it's really amazing. But the gospel mm-hmm. is, is that we're all come to God as children who can't give the parents anything. And we're really disruptive and rebellious (laughs) and vicious and self-centered. And God looks at us and says, come be with me. I'm so excited that you've come and sat on my lap. I've paid everything to adopt you into my household. And then that also even kind of shifts to way the way we talk to the parents and say, well, we would understand that there'd be lots of shame and agony and we might come and, and offer really good advice on how to care for the kids. But it would also come with lots of love and knowing like, yes, like there's probably lots of shame in this and you are not a good father, but we do have a good father that even that loves us when we suck as parents. Yeah. And that's at least that's one little kind of microcosm picture of how, a community centered on the gospel is a little different. It also would even allow those conversations to happen because we would all basically be able to come and say, yeah, we're all below the feet of Jesus. Uh, We're all so needy. This problem isn't to be swept under the rug, but we can talk about it uh, because we have this great confidence in Christ.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think one of one of the first experiences I had in a gospel centered community, and this this was as we were planting our church, and I was I was learning from a few other churches who had pressed into this kind of gospel and all of life stuff. And this was this was new for me at at, at that time in my story. I was in with this community of people that I didn't know, and this other lady who was just kind of on the on the cusp of following Jesus. She was she was uh, intrigued. The community had loved her well, and and displayed this unconditional love and brought her in and that kind of stuff. But she, she just had a really hard day at work. And as they pressed into like the, her boss didn't do anything, you know, terribly mean or, or, or that kind of ter- terribly like illegal or, or mean <laughs> or that kind of thing. But, but it was really harsh with her mm-hmm. and, um, and just really like had, had, brought something against her, probably she actually did do something wrong. And then so the boss had, you know, just, just treated her harshly. Mm. And, and I thought of like, in my, in my perception at that time, like the obvious thing that the community is going to say is, Oh man, like your, your boss is so mean We're so sorry. You know, maybe even like we'll pray that your boss is nicer to you kind of thing. Mm. And there was some encouragement of like you know that is that 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 hurts to feel it it is it is a real thing and that kind of stuff and there was some encouragement of, of let us pray for you and your boss's relationship but the thing that stuck out to me in this now really long story that made all the difference in the world is they said but we're what we really want to pray for you is that you find your identity in Jesus rather mm. than what your boss thinks of you. Yeah. Because all of us let our bosses down and mm-hmm. all of us, you know, will will also be let down by our boss and and if our identity is found in what other people think then uh we're gonna be constantly topsy turvy, mm-hmm. uh rise and fall based on that. And so we're gonna pray for you that God would help you remember where your true identity is found hmm. because of what his son has done for you on the cross. Right. Like it was mind blowing. That is that yeah. is not the obvious answer. Right. Because frankly in the moment it might not have made her feel really good. <laughs> <laughs> and it feels like that's what right. a lot of community is about, is helping you feel good in the firm. But but the truth is so much deeper than that. And I got to see that played out in an actual real life situation in a community hmm. surrounding. So it was either that or because they knew that I was new and looking in a gospel center community, maybe it was all scripted and they <laughs> had to find out for my benefit. But either way, it was really impacting for me.
1: No, that is so impacting. And I think that's the the stuff that, that is so exciting. And that's and those one-off elements within a missional community that is at least to me, what it's all about compared to, I don't know, even the the crazy stories of radical atheists coming to faith. It's a whole bunch of those micro stories where mm-hmm. the gospel was spoken. And that's something within the Saturate and the Soma world we talk about often is gospel fluency, uh, that yep. we would know the gospel so well and we would be hearing it so often, we'd be fluent in it. So we don't even have to think about it. It's just like the words of our mouth are truths about Jesus, which is huge. And there's, you know, you wrote the Gospel Fluency Handbook. Uh, Jeff wrote the Gospel Fluency book itself. It's, It's a great resource. And this is one of the pieces I think we often miss, though, with that, is that Gospel Fluency is the language of a missional community. But then the gospel culture is the actions of the missional community. Mm. And that's how every language works. So I grew up in Portugal. The language reflects the culture and the language impacts the culture. So you can't remove English from American culture. Like it's, it's part of it. Or y'all. Y'all or y'all from, from Texas. Texas. Yeah. That's right. You can't, have, yeah. you can't have Texas culture without y'all. Uh, <laughs> that's right, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true with the missional community too, is that that really like the activities of, of sharing a meal, of listening to one another, of, of hearing story, of telling the story of God, of serving our neighbors and, and those things. That's like the gospel culture, that the, the activities, the rhythms, the symbols of a gospel fluent place, too, that we're also speaking the gospel, and so, yeah, I, I guess with the the last of our of our time, maybe we should answer kind of at least the question for listeners is how do you create that gospel fluent culture? How do you center a community on the gospel so that people can speak it like in your story, and people can live it uh, in their actions as well
0: yeah, and, and I think the first thing that I would say is is be really patient. Mm-hmm. so again picking up on that fluency kind of idea you know we either learn a new language by taking classes and so i took several i took seven years of spanish between high school and college and even in that seven years like it's little bits at a time and that kind of stuff and i'm, I'm learning it more and more and you know starting with vocabulary and then mm-hmm. verb conjugation and uh, endings and this kind of stuff and and it just takes time mm-hmm. and so you know in the same way of of not having the power to rush people to a relationship with Jesus, mm-hmm. but, but loving them unconditionally and and pointing these things out. So also does it take a lot of time, no matter where someone is in their walk with Christ, to start to even see all of life through the lens of the gospel mm-hmm. or, or to, for this to become our, if I can say it like this, native tongue. Mm-hmm. Because outside of you know Eden in Genesis and the new heavens and new earth, like there is not a culture that we can just be dropped into Right, Like you could in Spain or Portugal or that kind of stuff right. where you're surrounded by it all the time. And so it takes time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important because sometimes we can hear stories and it sounds like, you know, Brad, Brad moved to LA and then all of a sudden everyone in Hollywood <laughs> now speaks the gospel. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> or something like, not you, another Brad.
1: <laughs> that's, uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, that must be somebody else. <laughs> uh, that must be Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> I mean, we have fight clubs, right? So, <laughs> but yeah, so, so beyond just taking time and being patient, I think that uh, a lot of time is just, is, is learning to, as situations come up, have these conversations. And so,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If we're asked about it, of course, we believe that the gospel is joy to the joyless and hope to the hopeless and companionship to the lonely and or that, mm-hmm. that, that because of the gospel, Jesus is these things and freedom for those uh, who, who are enslaved by, uh, by various things and, and, you know, forgiveness of debts. And we believe all these mm-hmm. things. But it's very rare that someone walks up to us and goes, look, I'm, I'm just joyless. Do you have an answer for me? Right. But it's, it's looking at the situation and kind of going, okay, there's something going on here. And then mm. you discover through you know hearing someone over and over again that, yeah, there's just a lack of joy. Mm-hmm. And, and we can either try to point them toward temporary happiness. And again, that may make them feel good for a few days or minutes. Or we can do the hard work and, and, and in that specific situation try and maybe fail sometimes. And that's okay too. Right. I failed a few Spanish tests in my life. uh, (laughs) But in the same way, just try to try to speak that deeper joy as, as situations come up. Mm -hmm. And then I think that there's another side to it too, where we can even, if I can be so bold, we can, there's a way to study and even preach sometimes the, the Bible and preach the, the text at hand or in a community study the text at hand and be Bible fluent, if I can say that, but not be gospel fluent. Yeah. And so in Philippians two, where Paul, you know, looks to Jesus and says he was humble, essentially, therefore you be humble. You know, you have the motive there, but if all we do is say, what, you know, what does this text say? It says, well, I got to go be humble now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then we either become really prideful because, Hey, look, I made it. I'm the humblest person ever, which negates it. Or we become really depressed and go, I try, I try, Mm -hmm. I try, and I can't become humble. Well, of course you can't. Because right. who we are, according to the scriptures, a prideful people, and it's only the same motivator, the fact that Jesus died, rose for the sin of humility, humbled himself, uh, or mm-hmm. for the sin of for the sin of my pride, that I could ever have his empowerment through his spirit to make me humble.
1: Yeah.
0: So I think that it's situations in, in scriptures, if I can use some alliteration of kind of looking at <clears> it and going, How does this how does this point me to Jesus? Does it, does it point me to Jesus because there's an obvious need here? Does it point me to Jesus because there's a picture of what he does that I can't do? Does it point me to Jesus by comparison or contrast? You know, Jonah won. <laughs> God said to Jonah, right. go save these people, and Jonah didn't. Well, mm-hmm. but then a few thousand years later, God said to Jesus, go save these people, and he did. Yeah. So I think both situations in scriptures invite us to, to see the story of the gospel a lot.
1: Yeah. And that's, I think that's what I would say is having a boldness to listen to people is probably one big one is like, like what you're saying is patient and trying and being okay to try. And and I think just like listening to people, I think a lot of wounds have been created by thumping people with the Bible. And there's a way to thump people with gospel truths too. And so, I think one good way of creating a gospel culture is to actually listen to people and ask three, four, five follow-up questions. That's one of the what's well, one of the things that I like tell people often is like if you want to be really good at making disciples, there's like the eating piece, like have people over for dinner, mm-hmm. and then like go four, or five questions deep uh, with curiosity on how people are doing. Or what they're sharing about their lives. Too often, we say, "Hey, how are you doing?" People go, "Oh, I'm okay. I'm cool. Oh, right. sweet. Uh, well, this is how I'm doing," you know. <laughs> and then we talk. You know, it's like blah 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 blah. Whereas, what I think would really enable us to be a gospel-centered culture is if we ask more questions. Well well, what is good about your life right now? Or, oh, how did you feel about that when that happened? Oh, are you you ex- you know are you excited? Are you sad? And if we keep, that's how you draw out the heart of a friend or the heart of your child also. If we are bold to listen, and it does require boldness yeah. because we want to be the ones talking. Uh, if we're bold to listen, we actually earn so much legitimacy in someone's life. Yeah. Uh, we are extroverted culture, has this lie that you gain authority by talking, but we actually gain authority by listening. And then if we're bold at that point to then say, hey, I've been listening to you a while. Can I just say something that I believe that I think could be like a really big encouragement to you? I think it's true. It probably doesn't solve all your problems tonight, but like here, here's this gospel truth or here's this thing that I believe about Jesus. Uh, let that hit you. And within that, there's like lots of failures and mistakes and all of that. But I've found that if you listen for a really long time, the mess ups actually get smaller and smaller. And so I think that's like a boldness to listen, a boldness to speak. And then like what you were saying, too, is uh, reading the Bible for the gospel. I think one of the best ways to be fluent is to read the gospel or to read all of the gospels, but to read the Bible itself and, and find Jesus within the text and find Jesus and apply it to ourselves. and apply it to our own leadership too. like success is not that nobody abandons us because Christ will never abandon us. So, so we don't have to be, you know, afraid of people leaving our communities or the gospel is so good and, and God is so bringing about his kingdom. We don't have to be in control of mm-hmm. people's lives, you know? And, and I think if we apply the gospel to our own leadership too, that kind of creates a, a gospel culture. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good stuff, Ben. And I think that that probably highlights why it's essential. Would you agree? <laughs> yeah, at least scratches
0: the surface, and uh, if if the gospel truly is, is is deep and rich in this kind of stuff, we could talk for hours about why the gospel is essential. But yeah, uh, yeah. If there's if there's any other starting <laughs> point uh, for anything in life and ministry, than than the the grace of God that's that's seen most fully in the gospel, then then somehow we've missed the point altogether. So yeah, I think that. Mm -hmm. That's a starting point.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. In 25 (laughs) minutes, gospel covered succinctly. Uh, Yeah. So there's a lot of, I, I would really encourage that so much of the resources that we have on Saturate are actually about the gospel. There's Gospel Fluency, the Gospel Fluency Handbook is really great, as well as there's a resource called the Gospel Basics, which is really great discussion guide that you could lead leaders through or community through. And then I'll just toot my own horn here for just a second. We just released a new ebook uh, Saturate did called Our Common Struggle, and it's for leaders, and it's essentially applying the gospel to our leadership. Uh, and so, I would definitely, if you're if you're up for leading a community, I would check that one out too. And so, those are those are just a few things to point to. Uh, you can also look at our video series. There's a lot of good teaching on the gospel, as well. Hey, Ben, thanks for joining us for this part one of what's essential to a missional community. It was fun.
0: My pleasure. I, uh, I hope maybe I can contribute to a future
1: part. I believe you will. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be uh, connecting again soon. As always, give us feedback. Ask us questions. They really help. And uh, even if it doesn't look like we're taking your questions into consideration, oh, those podcast episodes that you've asked for will come about they just take time thanks for being part of our saturate community we'll be hanging out soon
0: today's podcast was edited by ben fort and our theme music is written and performed by the band mopac saturates hope is to see one missional community for every 1000 people in every city as we see the glory of god fill every person every place and every church We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.